0: Our scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, verses 10 and 28. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I give them eternal life that they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Betty. Good morning. All right, well, as you've heard, we're starting our new series for July. Uh, Remember Who You Are, where faith meets Disney. And our focus again this morning is the movie Tangled. Who has seen Tangled? It's great. This is absolutely one of my favorite Disney movies. This is one I will watch again and again and again and never get tired of it. Um, In case you're not familiar with this movie, it is based off the story Rapunzel, written by the Brothers Grimm, which is an extremely dark story. If you have ever read Rapunzel, uh, Disney has a different version. It's much lighter, right? Uh, Much easier on us. Um, Here's how it goes in the Disney version. An old woman named Mother Gothel kidnaps the king. Well, that's dark. She kidnaps the king and queen's infant daughter so she alone can have access to the healing power that is in the little girl's hair. So she locks Rapunzel in a tower in a forest and raises her as her own daughter. Well, eventually... Rapunzel becomes restless in her tower and devises a plan to escape so that she can go see the floating lights that she sees in the sky every year on her birthday. Um, So with the help of Flynn Rider, uh, who accidentally happens upon her in her tower, uh, she escapes. And on her journey, she ends up discovering who she really is, that she is the lost princess. She is the daughter of the king. So she confronts Mother Mother Gothel. Eventually, she gains her freedom and reunited with her parents. She claims her identity as the princess, um, moves into the palace, and she and Flynn Rider live happily ever after. Told you, it's got a great ending, great ending, great music, everything about it. But what if, what if, Rapunzel, after being freed from her tower, after discovering her true identity as a child of the king, lived for the rest of her life locked up in her bedroom in her palace? What if, even in the midst of her freedom, even knowing who she really was, she continued to live as a prisoner? What if... Even while she lived in the palace, Rapunzel maintained a tower mindset, choosing always to focus on what was in her past, living according to that old storyline, forever remaining a victim. That wouldn't be a really great story, right? That wouldn't make sense either because she has been set free. She has discovered her true identity. So why on earth would she live as if she were still a captive missing her life and wasting her potential? Few people would show up to watch a movie with an ending like that. I mean, that is not why I go and watch a Disney movie. I watch Disney movies because I expect to find an ending that can give me some hope, that can give me a sense of victory. Um a sense of relief and satisfaction that whatever problem the main character was facing, they overcome it in some way. I mean, I don't want to watch a Disney story that ends up with our protagonist still locked up as a prisoner. Unfortunately, you know, that is the way uh, the story goes. For a lot of people, sometimes, even though we have been freed by the grace of God, set free to live a life of freedom, we remain trapped in a tower mindset, missing the abundant life that God created us to live. So this morning, I want us to talk about two things that can keep us trapped in a tower mindset. Living according to an old storyline and maintaining a victim attitude. Okay, first, living according to an old storyline. Last week in our sermon on sanctifying grace, I talked briefly about how God has set us free, even from the psychological scripts that play in our heads, uh, false storylines about who we are and what is possible for us that were written Uh, with the hurtful words that other people may have spoken into our lives. Let's never underestimate the power that words have on us or on someone else. The words spoken into us affect us deeply. They can connect us or disconnect us to our purpose. They have the power to affect who we become, how we relate to, how we treat other people. They can affect how we view ourselves and how we treat ourselves. Um, They can even affect how we view God. Now, what I want to do real quick is have you watch a couple of clips from Tangled, and I want you to notice how much of a grip the abusive words of Mother Gothel have had on Rapunzel. Rapunzel had a really hard time breaking free from the words that that her her mother had spoken into her her whole life. I mean, she was free. She was out of her tower. Now, at this point in the story, She was just leaving for a day. She had every intention of coming back into that tower. But here's the thing. Even in this step of freedom, she couldn't enjoy her freedom because she was still not free from all those words that her mother had spoken into her her entire life. You know, this happens to a lot of us. We can break free. Even in a little bit, right? We can start to break free, but we carry those words with us, and they, they continue to speak to us, and they affect us and impact us. Um, I heard Pastor Carolyn Moore give a great illustration of how uh, the words, um, some words that are spoken to us can... can can cause damage to us. Um, I don't know if you remember those small little refrigerator magnets, little word magnets that used to be really popular. The idea was you'd put them all over, you know, someplace like your refrigerator, just a jumble of words. And then you came up and you would make interesting little sentences, maybe leave little messages for your family on the refrigerator. Did you have some, Deborah? I see y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So they had these things. Well, eventually their family tired of them. So she, you know, got them off the fridge put them in a little box and put the box on top of her refrigerator well forgot about it up there and one day she was rooting around for something else that she had put on top of her refrigerator and she knocked the box over it flipped upside down and all those tiny little word magnets dumped into her toaster Right uh-huh, and so she's like, "Well, I have to get these things out of my toaster, or my toaster is useless. so she said she unplugged it, she took it, she shook it, you know, turned it upside down, shook as many out as she could, then she got her you know fingers in there, and then she got some kitchen utensils like a spatula, and tried to scrape as many out as she could, um, But as hard as she tried and, and as successful as she was with getting a lot of those out, there were some that just got lodged down in some crevices where her fingers couldn't reach and where the utensils couldn't reach. And they stayed. Her toaster was ruined. Maybe um, this has happened to you. Maybe there, there are some words that have fallen into your soul, you know, that have been spoken into you by someone else. They're speaking lies into your spirit and they're creating that false storyline and you're just you're continuing to live from those words that have gotten trapped in there and taken root in there. One step to living truly free outside of a tower mindset is identifying any false scripts that have taken root in you. You know, is there a lie that was spoken into you? That's keeping you stuck, trapped in the same place you've always been, preventing you from living the life that you were created to live. If so, if you can identify maybe some messages and things, some lies that have been spoken into you, what truth from God can you replace that lie with? You know, go to scripture, read the truth about who you are, read the truth about who God is. That is the truth that you want to let take deep root in you. If anything is going to get lodged deep within your soul, let it be the truth of God's word. So here's some examples. 1 John 3, 1, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Hebrews four fifteen sixteen. 16, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Or Psalm 146, 8 and 9. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. You rest in the word of God and let him root out those false storylines as he replaces them with the truth, the true storyline that he speaks over you. So, another thing that can prevent us from finding freedom, is maintaining a victim attitude. Um, There's an incident in John chapter 5 where Jesus encounters uh, a man sitting at the pool of Bethesda. Now this pool in Jerusalem was rumored to have healing or restorative powers. And so it was a place where, where many broken and sick and disabled people gathered. This particular man had been sitting by this pool for 38 years. In John 5, 6, this is what we read. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? So Jesus saw the man, but he also knew something about this man. He had been in that same place for 38 years. And even after all that time, nothing was changing. This man was stuck. He was alive, but he wasn't living. And so Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? And the man says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. You know, Jesus is like, I can make you well. Do you want to? To be well. In other words, when Jesus set him free from the prison of a crippled body, would this man be willing to lay down the victim mentality in order to live the life Jesus would empower him to live? A little later in John 10, Jesus would say this The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. The Greek word that's translated here as life is a word, this is the way it is, zoe. It's a Greek word, zoe. It does not simply refer to the physical body or the physical world. That's the word bios. Zoe does not refer um, to simply the mind, the emotion or the will. That's the word "suke. You can hear biology and psychology, right? The roots of those words in both of those. Zoe life is life that is full of of the spirit and power of God. It is eternal. It is rich. It is satisfying. It is the life where you live into and fulfill your created purpose. It is the life that Jesus makes available even to us now in the middle of our bios and suke lives. Now, Bios and Suke life can swing between bad and good all of our lives. We have sick days. We have healthy days. We have joys. We have disappointments. Life has hurts and can be confusing. But Zoe life is what we have underneath it all. Zoe is our permanent placement in the very palm of God's hand. Alive forever and safe in Jesus and here in John 10 Jesus says he came to give us that life not a life where we are a victim to what happens to us but a life that is full of peace and confidence no matter what happens to us so Jesus healed the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda saying to him stand up take your mat and walk move on from this place where you've been stuck you are no longer a victim stand up and live and take responsibility for the life that your father has given you you see Jesus removed the obstacle that had kept this man stuck for 38 years he now had no more excuses and he would be free as long as he chose to no longer be a victim. Our God is a God who removes obstacles. Our God is the one who makes it possible for us to live the Zoe life. But one thing that will trip us up and it will keep us going back again into that tower mindset is thinking that the removing of obstacles means taking away every painful circumstance from our lives. You see, while God frees us from false storylines, we don't always experience a change of circumstances like we might want. God doesn't always remove the painful realities that life can bring us. Not everyone is given their legs back, but everybody is called to take up your mat and walk. Everybody is loved and empowered and freed from the bondage of thinking that our circumstances define us. That the only way to live a life of joy is to have a pain-free, trouble-free life. And we know that's simply not true. Some of the most joy-filled people have gone through or are going through the deepest pain And darkest valleys. This is the powerful truth of the gospel that Jesus saves us not only from our brokenness, but in our brokenness. He doesn't just save us from our painful circumstances, He saves us in our painful circumstances. I recently heard about a young woman, a young mother named Becca Bowman. She's the young mother of two sons, Titus and Eli. Uh, both of her sons were diagnosed with Batten's disease. Uh, Batten's is a cruel disease. Um, it steals your sight, it robs you of your, your mental, your cognitive capacities, it destroys your motor skills, and it will eventually take your life. Um, about four years ago, this disease took Titus's life. Uh, She shared on her Instagram that he would have been nine this year. She and her husband are currently journeying with their son, Eli, who's now five, through this same terrible disease. And I wanted just to share with you something that she wrote. Hear these words from someone who knows what it is to choose to live and be free even in the midst of extremely painful circumstances. Let's see if I can read it without crying. We will not always be able to control or manipulate life circumstances to our liking or preferences. And in fact, if we aren't careful, those circumstances will manipulate and control us. We can choose instead to look beyond our lower story the broken narrative, and look up to the greater story God is weaving through all of time as he lovingly takes our broken things and creates beauty and goodness through them. This is where we find hope beyond circumstances, joy in the middle of pain, and redemption here and now. No matter the circumstances surrounding us, Our powerful writer of the greatest story ever told is at work weaving hope, love, joy, and redemption through our little stories. We no longer have to settle for being lost in darkness, unworthy, and dead. No, rather, we get to rise up, look up, hold on, breathe in, breathe out. Step out, step in, refocus, rest, move forward, because all is not lost. And what has been lost is oh, so temporarily so. Victories is ours in the upper story, in Jesus. That's someone living in Zoe. She's not demanding that her circumstances change before she begins living. She's living a life of redemption now, even in the midst of the hard stuff. That's really hard stuff. As you come this morning to the Lord's table... I invite you to just come and feast on his grace and his love that he's made available to you. Bring with you this morning any words, any false storylines, false scripts that have been running over and over again in your soul. That might be telling you some lies about yourself. Bring those to the table this morning and as you receive the grace and the love and the truth of Jesus Christ, give those false storylines to him and let him replace that with his truth. And We invite you, just lay all that down and choose this morning to live from the upper story that Jesus is writing over your life. You don't have to be a prisoner, you've been set free, amen?